You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and sitting across from me, I've got David Weiss here for a wonderful Tale of the Tape Tuesday. I don't know, a lot of alliteration in there, David. Now, we're calling it that because we're going to give you a tale over here. We're going to give you some tape on YouTube. If you want to see me break down tape from last week's game, go check out Tape Tuesday on YouTube. If you want to talk about the second half of the season, well, we're going to be talking about key takeaways from UNC. We're going to look ahead to the remaining six games on the schedule. And then we're going to do what we did in the preseason and set kind of some overall key performance indicators of what will tell us if we see them from the team at the end of leg three of the season. So six games from now, seven weeks, because we have a bye week this week. Okay, this team's headed in the right direction going into 2022. So stay here for that. Go over to YouTube if you want to check out Tape Tuesday, where I break a bunch of key plays down and kind of show you what we saw against North Carolina. Either way, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. And thank you for making Locked on Seminoles your first listen every single day. David, buddy, it looks gorgeous up there. How are you, man? How is Long Island right now? Uh, We're we're doing great over here, Max. The sun is uh, shining. Going into a bye week, two and zero oh in the last couple of weeks. Wow, things have turned around a little bit, huh? How about that? They have. And Drake and I talked about this last night. If you want to go check out the episode from yesterday, if you missed it at the very end of, you know, if you take out that Jacksonville State loss, which you can't because it happened, we I'm well aware we lost to Jacksonville State. It really is a very different leg too, right? Like we beat Jacksonville State. And we're sitting here at three and three and we're going, okay, well, look, Wake Forest is six and oh for the first time since Pearl Harbor. Uh, <laughs> no, literally, I think I looked it up as 19, I think it was 1942 was the last time they were six and oh, and they beat us. They're a good team this year. They're, they're reminiscent of the Oh six Riley Skinner team. That's going to happen once in a blue moon. Yeah. Louisville beat us, but we fought hard. We came back and Hey, Notre Dame, that was a heartbreaker. Miss that kick in overtime. You don't get the opportunity for a second one and you lose that game and in, in, in a hard battle and dope. And we're pretty happy, but unfortunately we have that stain on our permanent record of, well, we lost to Jacksonville state and now we're two and four, but Dave, let's get your key takeaways from the first leg of or the first half of the season. What have you learned about this team that you didn't know going into the season? Well, remember, we had a lot of questions about what's this retooled defensive line going to look like? You know, we lost we lost a couple defensive ends in the draft, regardless of their productivity at Florida State. They were good players. Uh, we lost Marvin Wilson. And we came in, obviously, Jermaine Johnson was a highly touted defensive end, but we were replacing a lot of pieces, and we knew the pass rush would be important, but we weren't sure what it was going to look like. Well. Halfway through the season, that is one of the strengths of our team. We can get after the quarterback. Our defensive line is arguably the best position group on the team. It might, it might actually be. Now, 
obviously still have some question marks. Jordan Travis just proved me wrong a lot in this last game. <laughs> Played probably the best game of his life. You know, we had high hopes for, for it, but we really didn't know what it was going to look like. It's been fantastic. And that's despite terrible, terrible run blocking on the season. So we got the running game going. We got the defensive line working. I feel, uh, despite, you know, being a sub 500 team, I feel pretty good about where we're at. I, I think you can't overstate enough the transformation this D-line has got undergone. And it's very interesting because you hit the nail on the head. Last year, we had a bunch of really highly touted defensive linemen coming in. And on paper, name syndrome, as we call it, took hold. Yep. We thought we could be one of the best front four in the country. And they were utterly disappointing. This year, we have a transfer from Georgia, a transfer from South Carolina. We're not sure if Coop's ready to take that next step. Transfer from Mississippi State and Fabian Lovett. We've really cobbled together the unit. And we're thinking, okay, if last year's highly touted unit couldn't be great, what the heck is this unit going to be like? Yet here we are. So, Dave, I want to take you through some numbers to really, really put a fine point on what we're talking about and how much better this D-line is than last year. I'm not going to get into any advanced metrics, any weird analytical stuff that I think former baseball fans just have started inventing for football because they've just gotten (laughs) tired of the MLB network. So now they watch football and they need like weird numbers to crunch. I'm going to look at just raw numbers. Last year, we played 11 games. So far this year, we've played six. Last year, we sacked the quarterback. 13 times through 11 games this year through six, 23 sacks. Yeah. We have almost double the number of sacks in half as many games last year. We hit opposing quarterbacks 24 times through 11 games this year. We've hit opposing quarterbacks 23 times through six games, almost double the number of sacks, an equal number of hits in half as many games. And that's pretty much the story throughout. You look at quarterback hurries. We have 69 this year. Nice. And we had 88 last year. I guess we hurried quarterbacks a lot, but we should surpass that number by 50, 60%. It is really incredible what's happened there. For me, the question that's gotten answered, though, is a quarterback. I think Jordan Travis is your starting quarterback if he's healthy. He has to be. He's the only one that really, I think, can run this offense the way it needs to be ran. I mean, we saw the arm come together again. Go check out tape Tuesday. I break down some of his touchdowns that throw to McLean on the run right there in the corner of the end zone. Beautiful. A couple of those throws to Ontario Wilson. Wonderful. Doesn't mean he's now the second coming and he's Jameis Winston. I'm not saying that, but if he can get up to even 61, 62% completion with his legs, he's shown that he can win a lot of football games with this team. It's just every answer opens a new question. Can he stay healthy and can he do it for the rest of the season as more and more tape gets supplied to opposing teams on him and we face a better schedule? I'm not. Yeah. I'm I'm not selfish or headstrong enough to root against whoever's going to be our best quarterback being the best guy. I I don't care who it is. I don't care if it was a walk-on. I will admit I was like you just said, lower on Jordan Travis than he has me feeling now. Uh, I'm not going to say, oh, look, one game, you know, clearly everything's fine now. I don't think we have the quarterback on the roster 
But that being said, I do think Jordan Travis appears to be the best option we have. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you look at that, that throw to key to um, Malik McClain in the end zone. Oh, okay. Uh, the first touchdown of the game, y'all watch me again, go, go watch the tape breakdown. But the way we do it is beautiful. We line up in a heavy set. We've got Cam McDonald in the backfield on the right-hand side. We have, I believe it was Sean Ward. One of the two Sean's was next to Jordan Travis, also on the right-hand side. So you've got a you know tight end in the backfield, a running back in the backfield, both on the right-hand side. Then you have Malik McLean all the way out wide. Well, you know how Jordan's legs work. So when you're trying to defend that, it is so difficult as a defense because you're thinking, okay, if the tight end pulls around, he's got Trayshawn Ward right there to hand the ball off to. But if they do that motion and we react to it, he's going to run. Jordan's going to run to the right-hand side and might walk into the end zone. Okay. Yep. Maybe they're just going to have McDonald as a lead blocker and it's going to be a quarterback power. Maybe they're going to do that look and then they're going to hand it to Trayshawn and he's going to run a naked sweep to the left side. You've got to think about that in the backfield because it's not just one runner, it's two. So they can run in either direction from there. And then what do you get? You get Malik McLean at six foot four, one-on-one coverage on the outside, no motion before the snap. They roll the pocket all the way to the right. Everyone goes with them. Boom. Zips it right into McLean's hands, makes a great highlight catch, and it's a touchdown. And that's what Jordan, the threat of Jordan Travis's legs give you are plays like that. Now, before we go on and we look ahead to the remaining schedule, I want to tell you folks what you should look ahead to this weekend, and that's your prize picks team. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy app that does it a little bit differently. Instead of doing traditional fantasy points where you draft your team and you know you get points for carries, touchdowns, yards, et cetera, you're only looking at one statistical category for each player on your team. You're also not playing in a huge pool against a bunch of people with computer algorithms and all of those things. What you do is you draft your team and then each one has a, you know, an over-under of whatever. So say it's your receiver. It might be over under 50 receiving yards. Will you pick? Do you think he'll go over 50 yards? Do you think he'll go under it? You do that for each year, three to five players that you draft for your team. If you're right on your entire team, you win. It doesn't matter how the rest of the people using the app do. doesn't matter what anyone else does with their picks. If your picks are right, you win money on your entry. And that's what makes prize picks fun. So go to the app store, Google play, Android, Apple App Store, prizepicks.com. Download the app. Go ahead and use promo code locked on. You'll get uh, your first deposit matched by prize picks up to 100 bucks. So you put 100 bucks in, you get $200 to put in entries. It's a lot of fun. It makes watching random games a, a little more exciting. And it's just a fun spin on daily fantasy. And after you do that, when the games are over and you're wondering what to do with your winnings, we'll fix that thing that's been rattling around on the car, you know? You got to get it done at some point. You can't just let it go forever. You have to eventually focus on the thing that gets you from point A to point B, but save yourself the labor costs. Learn to do it yourself. Maybe you know how to do it yourself. Doesn't really matter. I'm sure you're smart. You got YouTube. You can figure it out. Either way, buy the parts from rockauto.com. Huge selection, insanely easy to navigate, reliably low prices. It's a family-owned small business that has used the power of the internet to bring their great prices and wonderful selection directly to your door, rockauto.com. All right, Dave. So let's look at the rest of the schedule. I want to look ahead to the remaining six games. And we said from the beginning, 
we wanted to make it through this first leg with nearly all of the wins we needed in case we just got demolished by the murderer's row of the second half of the schedule. Now, I think what we're going to talk about is that that's not looking as accurate as we originally thought. Right. But it still holds true that this side of the schedule should be a lot tougher. So for those of you listening at home that don't just have the schedule memorized because you're a normal person with like other things to keep in your brain, we got a bye week this week. We play UMass at home, the fighting Walt Bells. Then we play Clemson on the road in Death Valley. We come back home for NC State. Then we play Miami at home. Then we have to go up on the 20th of November to Boston College. Seven days after that, we got to go to Gainesville. That's a tough five-game stretch. There's really no way, no way to break to break that apart. I mean, you've got these are all going to be, Dave, I'm going to use FPI numbers. You can use whatever you want, but the FPI ESPN's football power index rankings of the remainder of the schedule. You've got Clemson seventh. You've got NC state right below them at 21st. You've got Miami at 32nd. You've got Boston college at 40th and you've got Florida. Got to switch over to the sec on my sheet where it just means more. At sixth. Well, I'll say this to caveat the whole thing. It's really weird how everything is so fluid this year in terms of our expectations and projections changing on an almost weekly basis. Like if you had asked us this question two weeks ago, we'd say, well, we're probably not winning any of those games. Like that seems like an 0 5 kind of stretch. After Syracuse, my feelings didn't really change on that too much as it relates to what I think we can do. Come out of the North Carolina game. If we can put together a game plan and execute, not even like we did against North Carolina, because that was a perfect storm, but even anywhere approaching that, suddenly some of these games appear more winnable when you go down game by game. I think Clemson is beatable. I think Miami is beatable. Uh, Miami hasn't looked very good either. Florida's, I mean, they lost to Kentucky. They're they're not a great team this year. Um, I'm probably more scared of, Another one of those road trips to Boston College who has a really bizarrely good offense or a game against a ranked NC State pancaked in between Clemson and Miami. Then I actually am about Miami and Clemson. Looking at it on one-by-one basis, it's hard for me to see more than one win in these next six games. It is. I, I see one win when I look at these teams team by team. I, I think we beat UMass. I think we go 0-5. If you make me go, okay, what about Clemson? Okay, what about NC State? But if you let me look at it in the aggregate and say, okay, with Clemson, NC State, Miami, BC, and Florida, do you think you can steal one of those? The answer is absolutely. If we win five games, meaning we somehow pull off three wins in these next six, I think you have a hell of a season to sell to recruits. Yeah, I think, again, the most frustrating thing to me is, and I said this right after the UNC game, it was hard for me to even be as elated as I should have been because my reaction was, what the hell did we just watch and why does it look so different well, at four of the last five weeks? Notre Dame looked good too. How does the team that just did this lose to Jacksonville State? I don't know that we have any idea what this team is. Are we more like Jacksonville State or are we more like UNC and Notre Dame? I, I don't know the answer to that. If we are anything like this UNC team, we just like the game we played against UNC, I I don't think winning three more games is unreasonable at all. Uh, The team that just beat the hell out of UNC 
should be able to beat a Boston College, should be able to win one of two between Clemson and Miami, should be able to outscore Clemson, I'll tell you that much. Uh, it's just we, we really don't know what to expect. Like, if, if you told me we, went, we were going to go one and five the rest of the way, I'd say, yeah, I could see that. If you told me we were going to go three and three, I'd say, yeah, I could see that, which is weird, right? No, but I, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think that that's what we're going to have to figure out is, is this the team we saw against UNC? Or is this the Jacksonville State team? You, you put it perfectly. And in fact, I want us to talk about what do we need to see from the team, not just record-wise, but on a slightly more granular level to tell us which team that we have and make us feel going into 2022 like, okay, it's more of that UNC team. But before we do that, I got to bust out everyone's favorite time of the show. It's the betonline.ag line of the day with Mr. Fade Dave. guys. You can make a lot of money in life fading Dave's picks. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. But before you do, you got to find somewhere to fade it. You got to go to betonline.ag, make an account, use promo code locked on. You get a little welcome bonus, a 50% match on your first deposit. It is awesome. Auburn is a three and a half point dog on the road. But Arkansas is coming off an emotional two weeks. I mean, they got their teeth kicked in by Georgia. Then they had that absolute thriller against Ole Miss last weekend. I kind of feel like they're on upset alert, but how are you feeling about Auburn getting three and a half points there down in Arkansas? I didn't believe in Arkansas to begin with. You know, they were getting to that point where it was like, he started paying attention to them, but I think they are who I thought they were. That's what I'm coming to find out. And I'm going to take those three and a half points and not even because Auburn's good. I just think Arkansas is probably entering that reeling phase that we see Miami do the second half of every year. Yeah, I think that's fair. So folks, the fade Dave line of the day with betonline.ag is going to be Auburn plus three and a half on the road at Arkansas. Now also got to tell y'all folks about sweat block. Are you big? Are you sweaty? Are you just sweaty and small? It's okay. You don't have to be big to sweat. I'm a sweaty dude. I hate it. That's why I'm always dressed in athleisure. But sometimes I got to put real clothes on. And when I do, it's nice to know that sweat blocks got my back. They have a full product suite for you. I use the wipes. So I hop in the shower on Sunday night. Afterwards, I hit the underarms with the sweat block wipes. I wake up on Monday, go to the gym, come home, shower, and it significantly cuts my sweating down for the week. So I love it. It's a great product. They also have creams. If you get sweaty in other places, they will take care of that for you as well. Go to sweatblock.com, look for sweatblock on Amazon. You can even find sweatblock at your local CVS because they're in retail too. Go to sweatblock, use it, love it. Thank me later. All right, man, let's hit some people with the KPIs, the key performance indicators. As a team overall, what kind of things are you going to be looking at in the second half of the season to make you go, okay, this was a successful second half of the season, in my opinion? Beyond just the record, because this seems, I think, too weird to just judge by record. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's a couple things that I need to see going into next year to think, okay, we're going to be able to take the next step. A massive part of the reason we just beat UNC was that the receivers played like competent receivers. We talked about this a lot before the season that we had really low expectations for this group and that we thought it was going to hold the offense back. That has been almost a hundred percent correct. It didn't happen against UNC. They played competently and we won big. 
I need to see the second half of this season, one or two guys step up. And I feel like deja vu all over again saying this, just as somebody that we can go into next year thinking, okay, whoever it is, whether it's Jordan Travis, whether AJ Duffy comes in and is ready to light the world on fire, has weapons at his disposal that, if not stars, are at a minimum reliable. We have zero starting wide receivers, zero wide receivers at all, with a receiving grade over 65 on PFF. That is absurd to me. We have zero wide receivers with more than 14 catches. We have a tight end, Cam McDonald, with 15. That leads the team. That's insane to me that no one has stepped up at that position. We thought it might be parchment. It had, you know, he's made a couple plays. He may have cost us a game, letting a bad interception happen, but nobody stepped up. And that can't happen going into next year. And, and to build on that for me, the biggest thing is I've got to see development of pass blocking because we've done a good job in the run blocking space. And right now, I, I don't even know if I fully believe this number, but Dylan Gibbons is an 83.6 on PFF and pass blocking. And again, folks, that's not yep. an 83%. The way it works on pro football focus is each player 60 is kind of the average. We also have Treshawn Ward and he's our, him, Lawrence Toe Philly, our two next best block, pass blockers. Our number one pass blocker is yep. Jayshon Corbin. We can't have, and Dante Lucas, who's no longer with the team, is the top five. Three of our top five pass blockers can't be running backs. Right. right. We got to really develop there. And I think this weekend we kind of saw, okay, when we have our projected starting five, well, look what happens. They were able to block really well in the game. And you saw why depth is so important. DLT goes down. But Maurice Smith is back. Maurice Smith is the starting center. And when Maurice Smith is the starting center, that means baby on Johnson, who was the number one rated center in his class, who is a great blocker, but hasn't really figured out the snapping thing in college. Like, right. It's, he's not, he just isn't great at whatever it is from the college, the high school game to the college game at center. I would suspect it's the calls he has to make at the line and having that in his head while also trying to block, I think just is too much for him. It just isn't, maybe is outside of his skill set, but him at guard is great. So your guard goes down, but since you have your healthy center, you have a great backup guard that fills in. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is what happens when you have some modicum of depth. I have one more, um, one more KPI. And that is, I, I want to see the discipline continue. Five penalties last yeah. game. Three of those penalties were on the first three drives. That means what are there? What are there in, in a game? Like 15, 16 drives, give or take. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I should have looked it up if I was a better journalist, but we're content creators, not journalists. So that's how we roll. That's awesome. I mean, you're telling me two penalties over the final, you know, what, 12 drives or so? That is a if we can keep doing that, it, I will be very, very happy. So I'm going to keep an eye on that because what I don't want is this team to all of a sudden decide they're a disciplined team. And then, you know, that complacency sets in. And next thing you know, we're getting eight, nine, 10, 11 penalties a game again. So I'll have my eye on those two things. Can we continue developing on the O-line? And can we continue to stay disciplined and limit the penalties? Yeah, and I'll add one more to that since you did too. I need to see improved special teams play. And, and maybe even more just one. to play the decision-making. I, I want to see us not returning kickoffs from eight yards deep in the end zone where the hang time's five seconds and you're going to be down at the 15. Mm -hmm. um, we... 
we have a hard enough time being efficient in moving the ball down the field. We've relied a lot on big plays. And if we're starting 10 yards back every single time, I can guarantee you that will lead to less points with this offense. And we can't keep seeing that. And I don't think you meant to do this. And I certainly didn't mean to do it. I think we both said four things that we saw start to come into play last game, right? Big kick return from uh, Travis J set up a great drive. We saw some improved blocking with the health. We saw a more disciplined team. Let's keep that stuff rolling. And that'll tell us, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I won't steal credit for it. I'm just talking. Are we Jacksonville state game or are we UNC game, Florida state? And I really hope the answer to that is UNC game, Florida state, not Jacksonville state game, Florida state. So with that, we will let y'all go on about your Tuesdays. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. I'm Max. That was Dave. This was Locked on Seminoles. Going all the baby. Bi-week champions. Hey, we didn't lose this bye week so that's that's big. Didn't lose I it. mean, last year we were 0-1 at bye weeks so. Oh, yeah. It's big.